One of the most crucial and important career fields out here at the 101st is the fuel specialist shop. And I bet if I asked a handful of you what it is that the fuel specialists do, you would more than likely come up with the same answer. Generally speaking, you would say the same thing that I would say. The fuel specialists are responsible for refueling the aircraft on our flight line, including our KC-135s, which of course conduct mid-air refuelings all over the world. And you would be right. That is what they do. But what if I told you there's so much more to their career field than meets the eye? What if I told you that there's so much more that goes on that's vital to our mission behind closed doors that you and I don't know about? And what if I told you that two fuel specialists are stopping by here in the studio to talk to us about what it is they do in full? Two NCOs who have been in the career field for a while in detail about what their career field entails with the hopes of educating all the rest of us. This is going to be a great opportunity for anybody who wants to know more about that career field and is generally interested in what our fellow maniacs do. Of course, I have some more information for you, including a fresh new maniac fact. I want to talk about the Tukey Scholarship, as well as some things to expect for this upcoming drill. I'm Technical Sergeant Andy Sinclair with the 101st Public Affairs Office here in Bangor. This is the Maniac Radio Show. Sit back and enjoy, and let's check out your Maniac headlines. Airmen from the 101st Air Refueling Wing recently volunteered their time to recognize a few residents from Maine Veterans Homes in Bangor. The three veterans have outstanding military careers and epitomize the meaning of selfless service. Each resident has a unique and decorated story as shown in their biography, which was read in front of dozens of other residents and maniacs. Senior Airman Dixon was an event volunteer and he tells us why he participated. We volunteer for this every year and it's an honor to, to be able to come and do something like this for these men and women. It's an honor to be able to present the colors in front of all the men and women that fought defending this flag. The recognized veterans were thrilled to see fellow residents, staff, and friends in uniform all in one room celebrating their outstanding military careers. The ceremony was followed with a handshake and personal thanks from each of our members. The firefighters of the 101st were recently awarded the Chief Master Sergeant Edward W. Walbert Award for their outstanding accomplishments and exemplary work in 2016. This award is given to the best performing unit and our Maniac firefighters were honored in receiving it. Senior Master Sergeant Anaya is the station fire chief and he tells us what a great feeling it is to receive the award. I'm proud. I'm proud of the guys uh, and, and gals that work at the fire department. And we got a good group down there that everybody's pitched in and shared piece of the award. I'm proud of all of them. Uh, they do a good job. They're, they're a good group. They're all proud of what they do and, and, and their hard work, I think, shows in, in their efforts. Taking the lead role in spearheading the ACES Fire Department Dispatch, equipment tracking, and the Fire and Emergency Services Management Tool are just some of the outstanding accomplishments they perfected. The Fire Department operates with three shifts around the clock to ensure the 101st is always safe. And that's it for your Maniac Headlines. Keeping you up to date is our mission. Okay, so let's talk for a second about free tuition money, also known as a scholarship. But free tuition money sounds better. This year's Tukey Scholarship deadline is August 11th. Not only can our maniacs apply for it, but their dependents can as well. So kids, husbands, wives, your pet dog, only if his name is Einstein, if he's smart enough to go to college. 
but make sure if you or your dependents are going to school, make sure you apply to get $500 to go towards school. If you have any questions about it, make sure you talk to your supervisor, your first shirt, or you can contact Captain Burpee, who is in charge of this year's scholarship. Again, the deadline is August 11th, so you're running out of time, so make sure you apply soon. Also, Todd Heasley, who is the new commissary manager, has asked that we let everybody know that this year's commissary sidewalk sale is going to be the 14th and 15th of next month. If you have more questions about that, or maybe specifically what's going to be on sale, you can talk to the personnel down at the commissary. But make sure you don't miss out on this. The commissary is an awesome benefit that we have here, so make sure you check that out. And lastly, I want to talk about this upcoming drill weekend's exercise. I can't speak on how you should prepare because we're all prepared for this exercise, right? But what I can tell you is that the dining facility is going to be limited this weekend, so make sure you bring food to munch on while you're here. But I'm not talking about Lunchables or Uncrustables, even though those are delicious. I'm talking about stuff with sustenance, proteins, calories, meal replacements, food to keep you going and energized throughout this exercise. But anyway, just food for thought. Enough ranting. It looks like our fuel specialist just showed up, so let's bring them in the studio and ask them some questions. With us here today is Tech Sergeant Roland. He is a POL specialist. He stopped by the studio to talk to us about his career field, what they do on a day-to-day -day basis. I don't know what it is that they do. So we figured we'd come, have him come in and talk about what he and his team do and kind of spread the knowledge as to what their job entails. With him as well is Staff Sergeant Mulkern. Um, and he's gonna kind of jump in and, and, and talk about, from his perspective, what goes on with their career field. So thank you both for coming in. I guess we'll just start off with the easiest question, what does POL stand for? POL stands for Petroleum, Oils, and Lubricants. Generally speaking, what is it that you guys do? Uh, we handle all the fuel for the base, as well as cryogenics, uh, de-icing fluid, and a lot of the other hazardous uh, liquids. So there you go. That's one thing I thought you guys strictly handled the fuel side of it. So you guys also handle a lot of the chemicals too then? Uh, de-icing fluid, diesel, gasoline, jet fuel, uh, liquid oxygen, liquid nitrogen, things like that. All that stuff you want to rub deeply into your skin, right? Correct, obviously, yeah. So other than refuel the aircraft, which, side note, being an air refueling base, you guys have a huge impact on the mission that goes on here because if you guys are handling fuels without you guys, the planes wouldn't fly anyway. Correct, yeah, we do have a, a large part with the mission here on the base. Uh, as a refueling base, not only do we fuel our planes, but any of the transient planes that come through, um, the fighters need oxygen, so we have to fill up their oxygen. The de-icing, because we're up here in the north, we always use a lot of de-icing. The diesel tanks, the gasoline for all the vehicles. And so what are the fuel pits, what are those designed for? Well, the fuel pits are actually for us to hook up to, to get the fuel uh, from our tanks into the plane. Uh, so what we do is we'll drive a truck down to the flight line, uh, hook up a hose to the fuel pit, and then hook another hose up to the plane and then fuel the plane that way. Uh, if you've done correctly, it shouldn't spill at all. So that's interesting. I, for some reason, I was thinking you guys hooked up a hose directly to the plane. That's not the case though. We also have tank trucks that are, it's just a truck with a 6,000 gallon tank on the back of it that we can use and uh, hook up the planes that way and fuel directly from the truck. That's mostly for the smaller planes, the larger planes that take a more considerable amount of fuel, like 30, 40,000 gallons we use the 
pipe that we hook right into the fuel system. And how often are you guys doing that? I, I, I know I hear it stand up like your ops tempos are pretty fast right now and they have been for a long time, but how often do they say on a daily basis? We constantly have planes coming down, uh, not only our planes, but transient planes um, from all different branches of the military. Um, so yeah, we do have a high ops uh, and it's pretty much all day, you know, it's fueling. No rest for the weary. As you mentioned earlier too, it's not just for our aircraft, right? It's all the transients coming. Correct. It's all the transients, uh, Marine aircraft, Navy aircraft, Coast Guard aircraft, uh, Army helicopters. Uh, we fuel basically any military aircraft. I got the opportunity the other day to come up and see you guys do a lab where you test the jet A that comes through. And that was pretty cool. And again, I didn't understand half the stuff that he was doing, probably not even a quarter of it, but can you explain that a little bit? Sure. So every day uh, we're typically receiving jet fuel from an outside source. Um, and that jet fuel needs to be tested before it can ever go on to an aircraft. So some of the tests that we do are Flashpoint, uh, Fizzy, which is an icing inhibitor in, for the fuel, uh, conductivity. We test for water, contaminants, all things like that. And it's done every time we receive fuel, plus it's also done on all of our fuel systems, all of our fuel trucks on a monthly basis. Wow. And how long is the process is that from start to finish? Uh, from taking the sample to finishing all the tests, uh, it can take from 30 minutes to an hour. Okay. That's cool. What else is like something that you guys uh, you do in your daily ops? Uh, on our daily operations, uh, it can vary, uh, which is one thing I enjoy about the job. Uh, you can spend the day offloading a truck, refueling a plane, doing lab work. Uh, we also do maintenance on our trucks and on our building and our type three fuel distribution system. We even mow our own lawns and take care of the building. Wow, you're jack of all trades. It is, yeah, and it makes the day go by and uh, it makes it more interesting, I think, and not as monotonous. Plus if a cool AGR position ever pops up in CE, you know, you make the cert for it, right? Yeah, probably am. So I'm gonna turn it over to uh, Staff Sergeant Mulker now and pick his brain a little bit about the specific training that these guys go through, uh, as well as uh, some of the missions that they, they may conduct overseas and how it differs and how it stays the same. So let's talk about the training first. What, what type of training do you guys go through? Uh, so whenever you first join the career field, um, our tech school is a six week tech school down at uh, Wichita Falls in Texas. Shepard Air Force Base. Uh, it's a pretty basic school. You learn basically the nuts and bolts of, of our whole operation, whether it be the lab work or, or the different trucks and the Type 3 system and all that kind of stuff. And then when you, when you come back, you have the opportunity to go to a lot of different other specialty courses, one of them being a lab course, which is down in uh, Fort Lee, Virginia. And it's a three-week course where you do nothing but work with the Army and Marines and test test fuel, learn how to run different tests, and you end up getting a specialty code that you can get tasked to deploy and go overseas. And then once over there, you'll be the designated, which is a pretty big deal to be the lab guy over there because you need to make sure it's safe. So that's a, that's a key role over there. So it's a good, good position to have. Another school that we have is actually civilian school, which is good for when you get out of the military as well, because it certifies you with DLA as, um, as an accountant. What's DLA? Is a defense logistics agency. So they own all the fuel for all the military. Pretty much anything that the military gets as a consumable, defense logistics agency owns. So go down to school for that and learn how to run those programs um, that they use to account for everything. That's also a you know a, a great tool to have. Um, and again, when you, when you deploy, 
you can deploy as an accountant. And now you're accounting for all the fuel over there, which is, again, you, you work with a lot of civilian reps, you deal with a lot of civilian companies, so it's, um, you definitely make a name for yourself. And you can move around in, in the shop easily and you learn everything as soon as you come in. So it's not, well, that person's doing that job and they're always gonna be doing this job and I'm always gonna be just issuing fuel. Like Sergeant Roland was saying, you can come in and do accounting, do lab, offload a truck, issue fuel, write a training plan, mow a lawn, and all in one day, all before lunch. So you're always moving and shaking and doing. That's awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. So that's a, that kind of leads into my next question, which is how does the mission differ or stay the same overseas? The mission differs as it goes from a training mission to a, a real world mission. So the op te ops tempo is much higher and you're working at a different locations and you have different trucks and staged in different locations and you're dealing with, now you're not really dealing with the transit aircrafts that kind of come in that we talked about, you know, we'll get a KC-10 here or, you know, a couple fighters here or there, that's always there. So you're dealing with several different squadrons of F-16s, plus you're dealing with, you know, CSAR helicopters, um, you know, the HH-60s, plus you get AC-130s, um, Predators, the uh, Reapers, also, you know, you're, you're dealing with all these aircraft and on a much larger scale with a much, you know, larger mission than what we have at home station. So it's much, it's a whole different experience. It's cool to think that you guys, you guys already have a high ops tempo here. And when you go overseas, it's almost like prepping you for that right. to begin with. Right. And again, when I say overseas, I'm not talking about just the Middle East. It's anywhere overseas where there's a higher ops tempo. It could be anywhere. Right. It could be Italy. That would be nice, right? Right. Yeah. I'll take that any day. Yeah. So you also mentioned earlier translating your, your um, certifications into the civilian sector. What types of jobs are available in the civilian sector that equate to what you guys do? So, you know, the most obvious job is, is a truck driver, which after two years experience here, it waives your driving test for your CDL. So all you have to take is your written test, which saves a lot of money. I think it's like $140 to go take the test and you, and you walk out with a class B CDL. And then you can get your hazmat endorsement and all that because that's what you're dealing with here. So as far as any training, you know, that costs a couple thousand dollars to get, you know, on your own. So that's a big, big thing. Another thing that comes up is a lot of people work for civilian companies that we deal with on a monthly basis that come up as contractors. So, I mean, there's, there's so many jobs that contract with the government that relate directly to our career field. And you, you know, with the experience could walk right into as long as you want to travel. But a lot of people that come up work from home and they're just gone for two or three weeks at this base. And then they go back to wherever they, wherever they're from and then go to another base for two or three weeks. So, you know, but there's a lot of options like that. And also there's a lot of options in our job right now. We have a lot of openings that, that we're hiring full-time jobs. Last question, kind of a tough one. You can take a second to think about it, but what is it that you enjoy most about this job? I've been doing this job for 15 years and I've never grown tired of it. It's always been something different. It's always a different challenge. And the people that you work with, whether it's here or overseas, are the best group of guys you'll ever meet, hands down. I'm sure Sergeant Roland can attest to it. That's why he left the Coast Guard to come over to us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But no, it's, you know, you do enough of different things, you'll never get bored. It's always, it's always a good place. I think my favorite part about the job is not only the different things that we get to do every day, but also the fact that I get to be a 
big part of the mission here. Um, I'm always down on the flight line. I get to deal with all the different types of planes that come in. I get to see all the different types of planes that come in. And, it, you know, no matter what, every day I go down there, it's fun and it's it's still cool. Every day I still think it's really cool that I get to be down there dealing with the fighters and the F-22s and the helicopters and the tankers. And it never gets old to me. I still find it exciting as just like the first day I did it. I think that uh, the fact that you feel that way about your job, you know, that's that's a rarity in any in any sector. It doesn't matter if it's military or civilian sector. These guys, these, these POL, these fuel specialists, they enjoy their jobs. And when you hear the term maniac customer service, these guys are at the forefront of that. So it's, it's these guys mixed with your maintenance folks that, that are a big part of that maniac or 101st era feeling when customer service. So they are the one of the biggest reasons why we're known around the world for the, the way that we are. When they see the maniac patch, they think, oh, I, was, I, I came through there and I, had, I got excellent customer service and it was because of these guys. So thank you guys again for coming in and thank you for the, all the eye-opening information that I, I definitely didn't know about. But thanks again. Thank, thank you. you. Okay, so let's do the Maniac Fact for episode 24. This Maniac Fact is brought to you by the 101st Airfield Management Shop, where their job is to run the runway. Side note, not my choice of words. The safety of our airmen depends as much on the upkeep of the airfields as it does our planes, responsible for the maintenance of runways, lighting, and other airfield components and systems. Airfield management specialists ensure that all takeoffs and landings can proceed without incident, from keeping runways clear of foreign objects to communicating hazards to pilots. These professionals make sure our aircraft maintain their ability to take off at a moment's notice. For more information on how you can join the airfield management shop, contact one of our recruiters. And here's your maniac fact. Let's go back a few decades to look at an aircraft that was stationed at our base between 1948 and 1950, the T-33 Shooting Star, or T-Bird for short. The T-Bird was an American jet trainer aircraft designed by Lockheed, and it was a variant of the P-80 or F-80 by just a small detail of a slightly lengthy fuselage. But the T-33 or P-80 became the first jet fighter to enter full squadron service in United States Army Air Forces. As more advanced jets entered the service, the T-33 took on another role, training our jet pilots. The T-33 made its first flight on March 22, 1948 and production of the aircraft was from 1948 to 1959. And the Air Force wasn't the only branch that used the T-33. It was also in service by the US Navy, which as you may have guessed, was carrier capable, meaning it could land on big boats. Now, as I said earlier, we utilized the T-33 until 1950, but the Air Force didn't officially start phasing it out until the early 1960s, when the training aircraft was later replaced by the Cessna T-37 and the Northrop T-38. Now the T-33 that we had here, in particular the T-33 Alpha, was a two-seater jet trainer that trained dozens of our pilots between 1948 and 1950. But it's a cool piece of maniac history that you may or may not have known. 
For more information on the T-33 Shooting Star, you can swing by the PA office. We have a few write-ups about it that were written back in the day. And if you want to look at an awesome image of a T-33 stationed here at our base, head over to our Instagram page by searching 101STARW. And there, in the recent photos, you'll see a Lockheed T-33 Shooting Star perched on our ramp. I'm sorry to say, but that's all the information I have for episode 24 of the Maniac Radio Show. I'm your host, Tech Sergeant Andy Sinclair with the 101st Public Affairs Office here in Bangor. Don't forget to bring food this coming drill as the dining facility will be limited. You don't want to get hungry. As I mentioned earlier, if you have any questions about the Tukey Scholarship, contact Captain Burpee. He'd be more than willing to help you out. I do want to say congratulations to all of the fire department on their outstanding achievement and receiving their award. It's a job well done, and I think I speak for everybody out here when I say we're very proud to have you as our fire department. Don't forget, we do have a Facebook and Instagram page, and you can find both of those by searching 101STARW. The Vice Wing Commander also has his own official Facebook and Instagram pages, and you can find him by searching CV.101ARW. So go check that out as well. So I hope you all have an awesome drill weekend. I hope it's very productive. And if you're in 505, stop in and say hello. If you have ideas about the podcast, we'd love to hear them. But until next time, so long and stay safe.